0: Welcome to The Human Reboot with me Emma Last. We have uplifting, inspiring and diverse reboot stories from people sharing the courageous, honest, authentic and sometimes difficult life lessons. The Human Reboot will provide proven mentally flourishing formulas and practical tips to help you to live life to the full, giving you direction and hope. Make your mental fitness and well-being a daily priority. Learn to pause so that you can get clear and perform at your best. Switch off to switch on. It's time for your human reboot. Before we start this episode, it may contain conversations that may be triggering for some listeners. If you feel that might apply to you, You can check the show notes for more details. So today's guest on the Human Reboot podcast is Anna Davidson. Anna is a female leader with years of experience in e-commerce and digital marketing. Anna is the author of She Made It Happened, a speaker and founder of Amazon 101 Academy and Your Freedom podcast. And I'm proud to say that I have known Anna since I was 11, as we went to the same high school together. So we may be reminiscing a little bit throughout this podcast as well. So apologies in advance, but I'm sure you will find it amusing. So Anna, please could you tell us a little bit more about your mission? So yeah, I mean, I started my
1: online business back in 2013. um, And since then, there's been a whole heap of drama going on, Um, not only personally, but in my business. And I think my mission has changed because initially I was, this is going to be a really succinct mission, by the way. (laughs) Um, I think my mission initially was for myself to get freedom and run an online business and get financial freedom. But it's become more than that. I now want to impact a million women women globally. Um, And I'll be able to do that with my podcast. That's how I'll be able to track with the downloads and things. So I just want to inspire mainly women to get that freedom in their life and go after their dreams.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. And you were featured in Forbes last year.
1: Is that right? I was, yeah, right in the middle of the pandemic, which was really cool, actually. There was four women that were selected, female entrepreneurs, and there's an article talking about how to sell online right now. And we all shared our kind of strategies all around selling, you know, within the pandemic. Because, of course, online shopping went through the roof over the last 12 months. So, in fact, I saw some stats recently about e-commerce has grown by 10 years in the last 12 months. So, huge growth. So, we were sharing our kind of tips.
0: Fabulous. So, we are on the Human Reboot podcast today. So, would you be able to share your reboot story?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, where do I start with this one? So I started sharing my story the beginning of last year. So yeah, about January 2020. And it was when I was, in fact, my book, She Made It Happen, feel a little bit of a cheat because it was co-authored. There was 15 female entrepreneurs and we all did a chapter. So I've got to kind of put that Put that out there that it was a chapter, but in that chapter, I shared a little bit about my story about leaving an abusive marriage because I think it is a bit of a taboo subject, you know, domestic violence. People a lot of the time don't want to hear about it, if I'm honest, yeah. or they feel uncom- that is they feel uncomfortable. That's the thing, and I think I've been ashamed of it for so long that people perceive me as this strong female entrepreneur online. And I'd not really shared anything about it and decided that actually the reason I was going to share is one, because of my healing and two, because I thought it could inspire other people, not only if they've been through something similar, but just hearing everybody kind of likes a rags to riches story, I think, and just hearing how I left such an abusive marriage and then managed to turn my life into success is quite inspiring, I think, to hear. I suppose I know that I understand what fear is like. We talk about fear, don't we, as regards to kind of business and, and uh, you know, lots of different fears that we have in our lives. But when you've been strangled and when you've been sexually abused by the person who is meant to be that person that is the love of your life and your partner, your life partner, and, you know, a lot of people say, Why didn't you leave? That's a big question. Why didn't you leave? And I probably would have been one of those people that would say that before. But until you're in that situation, now it kind of gets me a bit angry when I hear people say, why did you leave? Because actually it should be, why is he abusive? Stop him being abusive, not why why should I leave? Um, Because I think there's a lot of fear of what could happen if you do leave. You know, like the fear of the consequences to your children, The fear that actually this time he could completely lose it and kill you. So those are the fears that prevent you from leaving such an abusive marriage. So I really understand women's fears, I think, in general, whatever that may be, because I really feel like I've had that ultimate fear. And actually stepping over that line of fear and leaving that horrendous situation has obviously then enabled me to flourish even more, even though, because I, I think a lot of the time when I was in that marriage, I questioned whether I was in an abusive marriage because it sounds stupid, but I, I was like, I am the breadwinner. I'm a strong woman. This can't be happening to me. But I think really I was just in denial and it was only when I really faced up to it that I realised that I was. But I think we perceived that you must be weak to be in an abusive marriage. When actually that's not the case because I've proven that, that completely wrong because I was, I was such a strong person within my marriage. But there's a lot of manipulation that can go on that made me think that I was at fault for a lot of the things that were happening, probably because I was quite a strong character. I don't know. So yeah, I think leaving that and facing the fact that, because my lowest point was I was actually going to go to A&E and just literally say, take me away. I don't even know why I was going to go there. Um, I look back on that and think, "What? Where was my head at? You know, where? Why? Why was I even thinking about that? I think I just needed to get out of this situation, and I felt like I didn't know what way to turn. That I was just literally so mentally, because I remember literally not sleeping because things used to happen at home that I was worried about, and. I felt that his mental health wasn't great, so I was worried that he might do something in the middle of the night. I used to often sleep locked in a room because I was worried about things happening. And I lived for six months with a bag in the boot of my car that had, like, spare pair of clothes for me, spare pair of clothes for the boys, and our passports. Again, when I look back on that, I think it's absolutely crazy because why didn't I just go? But I think I had that because whenever there was a drama, then you can't suddenly start packing things. You need to just leave. And at least I knew I had that comfort that I had everything in the car. I think I felt like I married this person and that relationships have their ups and downs. And this isn't the person that I married, like the state of of how our marriage had got. So I wanted to kind of work it through and get him help and do all these different things before I finally, you know, gave up and left really because I kind of felt like if he had cancer he had you know um, a medical condition then you would be supported through that that period of time and I do believe that he had some kind of mental health imbalance you know that had happened because it wasn't always the way it was so I think that's why I stayed so long but leaving that and also going through that whole thing of you're a failure because your marriage hasn't worked out having mixed-race children which seems silly to say but I really did feel that I didn't want to be a single parent with two mixed children and that took me a lot to get over and I don't know why I think it's because society put you in a box and I didn't want to be put in that box by other people so again it was what other people thought about me there was a lot of that that I had to work through which now I'm so grateful that I went through that whole experience weirdly because I feel like it's made me a better mother, a better friend, better daughter. I feel a much more enriched person because when I left, it didn't end. I then had to go through years of litigation, harassment. You know, the abuse didn't end, basically, and has only really recently, legally, ended a few weeks ago. Although like a couple of years ago, I kind of felt like I was was free. So, yeah, just going through that whole experience, really, I had to really focus on myself and my mental well-being to get through it and had to spend a lot of time kind of, yeah, just, you know, like I know we talked about the balance with work and things like that, because I kind of threw myself into work because I knew that I had to work was the only thing that I had but I was really avoiding the issues that was going on around me, the fire that was going around me. So I then realised that and spent a lot of time focusing on me and also focusing a lot on gratitude. I know a lot of people talk about, oh, you know, do a gratitude journal and do all these things. But when you really are at rock bottom and the, uh, these things that I've said to other people in the past started coming to fruition for me, where I was like writing things down, just writing all my thoughts down. And a lot of it was about my children are healthy, I'm healthy, you know, it was all those kind of just those things that you don't really think about until you really need to when you're in like, uh, kind of at that rock bottom. So, um, yeah, I've done a lot of work on myself, a lot of healing work on myself. I had, you know, counselling, adult counselling for two years to kind of get through the whole abuse part of it. But also... I've kind of entered now into this empowering kind of state where I really want to empower other women, especially as well as men, but mainly women to really go for their dreams because I think it's kind of created me to be like unstoppable now that I really want to just make an impact. You know, I feel strongly that this has all happened for a reason Mm -hmm. so that I can make an impact in other people's lives because what everyone goes through some kind of adversity whether it be losing their job, whether it's a bereavement, there's just different levels of trauma, really. And I think we do forget ourselves. It always comes back to self-care and self-love and forgetting who we are, especially when we're women or mums, where we give to everybody else, give to our partner, give to our children. And it's important that we focus on what we really want and looking after ourselves as well on that journey. So I feel proud of myself that I've got through the other side. And also managed to um, create a successful business that, you know, hopefully inspires my two boys as well. So,
0: oh, feeling to- totally emotional. So, looking back on it, was there like a turning point? that sort of realisation of, you know, I want to support and fix him, but I'm not, I can't.
1: Yeah, I, I knew the relationship was over, but I knew that if I didn't get him to agree, basically all the stuff that happened afterwards, so the last five, six years after I left, because I left in 2015, would happen. So that was the fear that he would not, He because I knew he was quite an obsessive character, so I knew that he wouldn't leave me alone afterwards. In some respects, I was trying to manipulate him in the last year, to get him to agree that it was over, you know, to kind of make him feel like it was his decision because he was, you know, what he said goes really. So I was trying to convince him that, you know, help him make him feel like it was a decision. So I was trying to manipulate him really, but I just basically wanted us to agree. I I tried everything. So in that last year I stayed because I wanted him to agree because I knew that I would have what I've just had. Um, so because he would agree and then change his mind the next day
0: yeah
1: you know he'd agree verbally in a conversation and the next day be like no it's not over type of thing and it got to the point I think it was when I could see that it was affecting the boys because you always think especially when your children are younger that they don't notice things but actually they pick up on every single thing Um, I think even like a two or three year old can pick up on stuff but it was when Jacob he was seven at the time there was an argument that had happened and my ex had like kicked my, I think I was clearing a plate from the table. He just like, or he pushed it out of my hand and it smashed on the floor anyway. And Jacob was upstairs and he ran down the stairs with, you know, those really tiny bouncy balls, those really, really bouncy ones that go like flying. Um, and he threw that at the back of his dad's head and it was like to distract him to save mm-hmm. me. And it was that was my turning point then because I thought I can't have a seven-year-old trying to help make I need to uh, enough's enough now I need to get out so I just then was planning my exit strategy then um and I think he'd said sell the house so I was like I'm selling the house because there was lots of threats that he was making you know do this but he didn't mean it but as soon as he said sell the house I was like sold it straight away like right I'm gonna get out now so yeah, it was when I could see things were affecting the boys because I thought, I'm teaching them these behaviours and they're going to become, they're going to think that this behaviour is okay and they're going to become men like him in the future. Because really it's like, you're accepting it, aren't you? So they need to know that the, and, and that's what I've always done. I've never kind of badmouthed their dad ever, even though there's been horrendous things that have happened, but I've kind of badmouthed the behaviours you know, I'll say things like I don't accept shouting in this house. I don't accept kicking or you know, physical stuff in this house. It's it's the behaviors rather than be like your dad's a bad person type of thing.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah
1: um because I think that's the only way that they can learn that right from wrong so yeah it was it was when there was that and then also he burnt a lot of the wedding photos in front of them and and the boys were really upset seeing all these photos of mum and dad being burnt on our you know we had like a wood burning stove in our lounge um and that was just like in some major drama episode and that was just like really hurtful and confusing for them for him to do it so it was just like the impact that it was having on them really woke me up but I knew there was a chance of ongoing problems which it turns out there were (laughs) so I think in a way that was harder than the actual leaving because it's unsettling thinking all the time you're expecting the unexpected so you've left you're just like you know like sometimes I'd come back and he'd be outside the house or so I would be scared to come home or just not scared more like I just don't want any more drama you know what I mean so it's just that oh yeah it was the ongoing stuff afterwards and I know that by reading up on domestic abuse which I was reading up a lot on when I left it's the most dangerous point when you leave because that's when more serious things can happen because the abuser's losing control you know the situation so there was always that at the back of my mind that he was going to do something like hurt the children or something, you know what I mean? Even though, because your brain kind of escalates. So yeah, I'm just really grateful now that things have settled a lot and we all feel so much safer. And yeah, it's just all really, really settled down. It's not been nice having to go through 32 court hearings, but I've made it, I've done it. And also there's been a lot of learning within that, within the justice system in this country as well. You never realise until you go through it what the justice system's all about, whereas now I do. So that's a massive learning as well. So, yeah, and you realise how resilient you are. And also, I'll tell you what is absolutely, I think, brilliant, is that I don't, you know, like if you move house and it falls through or your car breaks down or, God forbid, you have a car car accident. But, you know, sort of like the things that I used to get stressed out on just don't bother me at all now to the point where people are like, God, you sound so laid back. I think it's because when you've ha- when you've gone through worse, it just seems minor. Yeah. So yeah, I'm very good now at any kind of normal average, average dramas that happen. Cause recently my car did break down and the boys were all panicking. And I was like, come on, let's yeah. just go for a walk. We'll go to the chip shop. <laughs> um, but, and by the time we came back, the AA guy was there, you know, um, whereas years ago it'd be like, Oh my God, I've got a cancer this and all stressed with work. You know, it'd be like such a big drama. Whereas now, so really, he's done me a favour with things like that. <laughs> and also what people think about me, because when you've had the police outside your house, initially you think, God, do your neighbours think you're a criminal? Or then it's like, just, in, or at the school, it's just really embarrassing at the time. So when you've gone through things like that, those worries that I had about people thinking I was this, that, and the other for being single with mixed-race children, I just don't care. You know, like, my happiness is far more important. I just... I do care what people, I think everybody cares what, you, what people think about you. You know, like if, if I was getting poison pen letters and someone was sending me nasty messages, it would bother me. But I don't care how people perceive me anymore because I know that I've gone on a path of living my truth. And actually, by going through what I've done, you know, sometimes I look, I know it sounds bad, you don't want to compare yourself to other people, but I do think there's a lot of people that are in miserable relationships just because they don't want to break up a family. And I'm not saying that people should break up the relationship, but yeah, ha- and I probably would have been one of those people, really. And I'm not saying a relationship's perfect, has its ups and downs, and it's it's never like amazing all the time, is it? It's that's what having a partnership is about. You're there for the the good and the bad. But I've just realized that now I just feel like I've got this new lead to life and I've just happiness is so important to me. Whereas I think financial goals were a lot more important to me before. But now I don't worry so much about the money and the money's coming. So it's, yeah, it's it's more about visiting places. I've got all these different travel and different places that I want to go to and experiences now rather than, you know, materialistic things. Yeah. I used to be more bothered about cars and big houses. Now I'm bothered about visiting Singapore and the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: Well, when, we, when we're allowed,
1: yeah. I know, that's the frustrating thing at the moment. We can't. That's the only thing. I'm like, I want to go.
0: So how? So for anybody that perhaps is going through that transition or is living in fear, how have you almost turned that fear into to a point where you kind of you're thriving? And then you're talking. You know, it's like it's, you've gone from fear to freedom.
1: Yeah, it doesn't happen overnight, does it? But I love that quote. Fear stands for forget everything and run or face everything and rise. And I think for a lot of years I was in denial and your gut keeps coming back to the same point. So there's different, you know, there's different levels of abuse. I wasn't getting black eyes every day. Um, and in fact, that's something that he used to say to me, you're not, you're not in an abuse mode. but I'm like, I got strangled twice and there was windows smashed and blood and there was a lot of sexual abuse so I am in an abusive marriage but the, you know there's a lot of mental manipulation in abuse that's sometimes worse so I think it's facing that initially and talking to someone because even if it's just a really close friend that you feel like you can trust there's always one friend that you feel like you can trust that you think's not going to judge you because you might not want there's loads of charities there's loads of you know support out there but really I didn't know about all that at the time and I don't think you do so it's finding someone that you can confide in initially, but I do think it's all about facing your situation, not running away from it because you always come back to that gut and doing something about it. You've got to take action. If you stay there, I felt if I stayed, my soul was dying. And I think that's why I felt like I was going to go to a and because I just felt like I was going around in circles and couldn't, just couldn't get out. So You've got, to, you've got to speak to someone and you've also got to not be in denial. You've got to own up to the fact that you are in this abusive marriage. Yeah. And you then have to think about how you're going to get out of it. What is going to be your exit strategy out of this? Because you need a plan to get out and you need to follow through on that plan and face that fear. You know, And it's not until then afterwards that then you can do all the healing and recovery part of it to work on your confidence and work on self-care and all that kind of stuff. But initially, it is a bit like 999. It's an emergency, isn't it? And you need to get out. And I think a lot of things that stop a lot of women is finances, how they're going to live on their own. And I was quite lucky with that because I was the breadwinner. So I often think about that, thinking if I wasn't the breadwinner, how would I got out of it? And, but there is a lot of support and help and even if it's having to live with family for a while you need to get out because it's just toxic you just everything's going to be destroyed your, your confidence who you are as a person your soul just everything so you've got to get out and you've got to find that way and there's obviously lots of different ways that you can do that but I think the first step is sharing it with somebody that you trust
0: yeah And then almost viewing it as once you're in that safe, you're in a situation where you're safer, you can start doing the work on you.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because initially you need to get out. You can't do any work while you're still in there. I'd done a lot of work on I knew that the relationship was over because I wasn't sad afterwards. I think I was more relieved, you know what I mean, to get out. But I think the last couple of years... I was facing, because I had loads of goals. I'd, I'd started running my business in 2013. I left in 2015. And I had loads of goals where he was part of that, you know, because we were a family. And I think that last year or two, I was really like on the, because when I was starting my business, he wasn't supportive as well. You know, so there was all these sort of red flags that were coming up. And it did suddenly feel like it was happening all overnight um I think he probably was mentally abusive before but I hadn't really noticed but all the physical stuff sort of crescendoed if you know what I mean so yeah I think you initially it's like an emergency plan to get out and then you cut. you've got to do the work on yourself after that and the work on yourself after that is I think I didn't want to go to counselling I was really like I don't need counselling I'm fine I've got out now You know, I was really like, I I had this vision of going in this room, you know, on a sofa with a box of tissues on the side and just very clinical room, which it was. But ironically, I actually interviewed my counsellor on a previous episode of of my podcast, Your Freedom Podcast, and we've become... I wouldn't say friends because that's like going over going over that professional line, but I do really value her as a person and she has really supported me because we were very alike actually. Um, you know, we used to share books and different things that we'd we would read and we were really sort of like, yeah, just had loads of things in common, really. And I think I actually think everyone should have a counselor or a coach or a mentor or something like that, that you can work because I think we're always growing, aren't we? And we always need to, sometimes we can't see things ourselves and everyone needs some kind of support, especially with what's happened this last 12 months with the pandemic. Um, I think everybody needs some kind of support, really.
0: It's that emotional uh, emotional wellbeing, um, and being able to talk something that's out of your head. So, I mean, we I know we've talked about kind of journaling or gratitude yeah. and getting things out of your head. And that is it's massively helpful when you can start to kind of get your emotions out because sometimes when you're just doing the do and you're doing the day-to-day you don't kind of connect with those emotions until you start bringing them out which I think is something you know that I really had to deal with as well you know with my reboot you know that was like no I'm superwoman I'm strong I can carry on and actually what are all these feelings, or numbness, why am I feeling numb, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
0: you talked a little bit about um, the importance of kind of self-care and this self-love that you've really been kind of working on, so I'd love to know a little bit more about that, but I'm not really quite sure whether it comes into this question or the next one, but Talk to me about how you switch off to switch on. So how you pause so that you can perform at your best in your work and home life. And also, if you don't, talk to me about perhaps why you don't.
1: So, no, I do. And I think um, similar to you, how you shared with me about going for warts, I think going out, getting outside, getting fresh air, being out in nature does you a world of good, especially if you're feeling overwhelmed sometimes I feel overwhelmed with work that I take on or just I've had like lots of challenges with the boys as well a few years ago a lot of behavioral problems that's kind of settled down recently so there's always like consequences to the whole process that you go through and they needed support and stuff and that's a lot of pressure that I took on so I definitely think going for just spending time on for me whether it be just I like listening to other people's podcasts I don't necessarily follow a certain podcast but I listen to just random different ones or go on youtube and going for walks getting out in nature trying to get the boys out as well also every evening well I say every evening there are some evenings I don't (laughs) because I'm not a robot but I have a bath every night and that's like my time that's my wind down time because I had a lot of problems with sleeping because even though I thought I was okay I think it was like on the run up to a court hearing you know just these random scary dreams that I'd have or just find it really hard to get to sleep so I did a lot of research about sleep and really trying to wind down because I think I was also doing a lot of computer work late in the evening working around the boys you know um, and then not being able to switch off on an evening so I have like a full magnesium bath with candles and all that kind of stuff and just yeah just really that for me is meditation because we, we talked about it a little bit before about the whole woo-woo thing. And I'm not really, I wouldn't say, I'd say sort of a bit anti sort of things like that. But it wasn't until I actually did a bit of research, what because people kept saying you need to meditate, you need to meditate. And I thought, I don't need meditation. But when I actually looked into it, really it's just like about having a stillness in your brain and just switching off really. So whether that is going for a walk, a run, you know, doing something completely different or chilling out in the bath, just zoning out really and giving your brain a rest is what I kind of feel that meditation is for me. So yeah, and I think it's important to make it a routine rather than, it's like any habit, isn't it? If you're, if you wanted to get more healthy, you've got to do things consistently for it to make an impact. That's another thing as well that I've done is that I think really having the police around here every night to stop me from drinking wine because I didn't want to be perceived as some drunk mum not that I was a drunk mum but I would often have a glass of wine in the evening and sometimes because I was on my own that might go to two or three glasses but because the police were here a lot with all the drama that happened I wasn't drinking I just started drinking tea on the evening and I think then that just got me out of the habit or I was thinking if I need to jump in the car and flee the house because of some drama, I can't if I've been drinking. Yeah. So in a way that helped me, weirdly, because I think sometimes just being <clears throat> single or not even single, you do you get into habits, don't you wine. So I don't drink at all really in the week, maybe, you know, if I've had a friend over or something like that, but I don't hardly drink that much even at weekends these days. I think I just got out, the, out of the habit I do still drink but you know it's not how it was it was becoming a bit of a demon in itself and throughout Covid as well I've been taking loads of supplements like vitamin D and just really trying to look after myself with loads of different vitamin C and all these different ones that I've been reading about to kind of increase your immunity and I think that's given me a lot more energy as well so I definitely think looking after yourself but we can't all be perfect can we?
0: No we, we've had this conversation haven't we about you know, it's an ongoing thing. It's not something Mm -hmm. that's a tick box that you've, I've completed that and it's perfect. We don't have to be perfect. And it's more about actually just listening to what we need at that time and, you know, and evolving and learning and, and growing in a way that, you know, supports our needs really. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do you have any personal tips that help you live life to the full? So you've already kind of shared some of those, but your Mm. personal flourishing formula for life. So, you know, something around kind of, you know, maybe mental fitness or wellbeing. I think turn the news off.
1: I don't watch any TV. In fact, recently I canceled my TV license. (laughs) Because I was like, I had Sky and I was like, The boys weren't watching it. Jake is obsessed with Netflix. He loves his films. And everything on the TV is just, I feel like sometimes it's manipulated and it is all just negative. And it just makes you wallow in all this negativity that's happening in the world. So I think for me, it's like find things that you're interested in, that you want to learn about, that you want to grow in, whether that be around self-care tips or meditation or... Whether you want to learn a new skill like digital marketing or Facebook marketing or whatever, or YouTube or whatever, you know, just put that time that on learning new things. You hear about stuff on social platforms anyway, and then you can go and Google more about it if you want to know about certain things that are in the news. But sitting and watching the TV and just absorbing all of that negativity, I don't think it's good for your mental health.
0: Yeah, that's a module in the Human Reboot movement, actually. It's called Protecting and Feeding Your Mind. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the two, you know, what are the things that you do to feed your mind and what are the things you do to protect it? And sometimes more than others, you need to protect it. You know, protect your mind more than, you know, than other times. You know, Mm. it's like, but it's just being aware. It's like, you know, like we talked about. Yeah. And something else that's really important to you um, is freedom, isn't it? So do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
1: So, yeah, I I created the podcast, actually, Your Freedom Podcast, just because I think, I think by sharing our story normalises our problems. Because I have this thing about what is normal anyway, because I remember my youngest saying, I just want to be a normal family. And I was like, but what is normal? Behind those closed doors, you'll find that actually every family is different and there is no normal. But I think social media and anything online there's a lot of fake book as I call Facebook Mm -hmm. and a lot of these perfect lives that are non-existent so I think it's important to make sure that we share our stories Mm -hmm. of our journeys and in that journey there's always going to be a struggle and so that's why I put the podcast together to share the stories because I think by listening to other people's stories makes you realize that because I think when you're going through a bad time you think oh why me or you know I'm the only one that's experiencing this everybody else has great lives but actually it's not the case everyone's been through some kind of challenge or adversity it's just that different people have different traumatic versions or whatever and it's good to share the stories to inspire each other to keep going and so that was why I put it together and freedom means a lot to me because obviously getting out of my abusive marriage really did feel like breaking free and I have these three pillars of self-care so freedom in love Freedom in money, financial freedom, because that helps, and also freedom in mind as well. that have just helped me get that equilibrium in my life. So, I just want people to feel free to be able to be be what and who they want to be, and create what they want to do in their life. Because I think it's fear, isn't it, that stops us? It's fear of being working in this job, in a corporate job, and setting up your own business. What if it doesn't work? And da, 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 you know, all that goes on in your head. It's if you're in an unhappy situation in a, in a marriage or your partner or whatever, there's fear of leaving that. There's all these fears all the time, isn't it? But when we break through those fears, we feel really free. And actually, fear is all created in our mind a lot of the
0: time. Yeah, that's true. Really true. I mean, it's working through those fears, isn't it? Mm. Why we feel that way and what is stopping us from doing. Exactly so are there any books or um because you mentioned earlier that you you know you did a lot of reading are there any books that you'd like to share with the audience that you could uh recommend for us that have helped you on your journey
1: there is one that but it's got a swear word in it I'm allowed to say it yes (laughs) (laughs) um the uh, I don't know if you've heard of it the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson I haven't no um go and check that out so it's about it's about being happy and you know living a good life and just not caring really which I think has been obviously really important for me because I think what other people's perceptions of me really bothered me at one point and actually that just stops you living the life that you want to live
0: so if people want to get in contact with you, Anna, what's the best way for them to do that? So
1: you can find me on Facebook, on Anna Davidson and on Instagram. That's where I'm mainly hanging out. Um, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter and things like that as well. But mainly Instagram and Facebook is probably the best way to reach out to me. Or you can go to the annadavidson.com as well. I'm always doing lots of free trainings that people can jump in on if they want to learn about e-commerce or creating an online business so
0: oh thank you so much you've been amazing as always and we've managed to remain semi-professional as well (laughs) talk about all the naughty things we got up to at school so well thank you for sharing such an emotive and vulnerable story and I think it just shows that from fear you can find freedom And from that, I think you're probably one of the strongest people that I know.
1: Oh, thank you. The thing is, we don't realise how strong we are until we uh, have to face our ultimate fears, do we really? So I think we've all got that strength in us. That's what I believe.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Anna.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Human Reboot podcast. I'm Emma Last. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star podcast review and visit thehumanrebootmovement.com where you can find downloadable free resources, sign up to my mailing list or connect with me on social. So that's thehumanrebootmovement.com. Let's switch off so we can switch on. It's time for your Human Reboot.